Welcome to the Art of Community podcast. I am Ben Cotton, and this is my lovely wife, Heather. Hello. Thanks for joining us as we explore the joys and pains of meaningful life together. This is episode nine. Glad you made it this far. We're glad you're here. We're talking about boundaries in relationships and how to balance our time. It's been a big question we've gotten uh, over the last few episodes. In episode five, we talked about Philippians 2, 3 through 4 that says that we should value other people as more important than ourselves, which begs the question, does that mean we're not valuable? And <laughs> Does that mean our time is not valuable? And how do we balance that those priorities in our life? in different stages. What about the time and our time and me time and family time? And how do I keep all these priorities in balance? So we're going to talk about that today and may or may not solve it all for you. It's a tough topic. So welcome aboard. Glad you're here with us for episode nine. All right, Heather. So what do we say about Philippians 2 and finding a balance with all that? Well, you wrote a bunch of questions up there at the top, which I know you ran by me, but I don't think we're going to get to all those today. So we will do the best we can. But (laughs) I I think that probably... Bait and switch. Bait and switch. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) I think some of these are going to actually lead to more more episodes as we've been talking about it, like that we'll, we'll flesh out some more of it as we're going through this. So Philippians 2, I'm going to read that again just as a reminder. It says, um, Philippians 2, let's start with verse 3. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So I'm going to stop there. I read a little bit further, but I do think though that um, a lot of times when we start talking through boundaries, we start talking about people in general Our culture and our world is so kind of consumed with the mindset of don't tread on me and don't don't cross my boundaries that we can tend to be more selfish than um, is called for. (laughs) Because what the Bible says is that Jesus took on the form of a human, so he knows what it's like to be human. He faced all of the things that we faced, all the temptations. All of the um, the things that we face, it might, it might not be an exact same scenario, but the feelings, the emotions, the sin, the mm-hmm. all of that he faced, and that he poured himself out in obedience to the Father to the point of death, even death on a cross. Mm-hmm. And so that is actually supposed to be what we're measuring ourselves to. Right. Um, so I think that just keeping that as kind of in the background and that he's saying that that's what we're supposed to be doing for each other as well. And so in the background of our mind that that should actually be part of what we're measuring against is that and not how much, how do I make sure nobody treads on me? Mm-hmm. Um, because if we're laying down our lives for Jesus, if we're laying down our lives for the cross, if we're laying our lives down for the kingdom, it actually means we will be treaded on mm-hmm. and we will actually yeah. 
have to sacrifice. Just ask Jesus. Yeah. And, and it, and it wasn't even just about his death on the cross, but when you look at his life, how did he spend his life? Mm -hmm. He spent it on people. He didn't have huge amounts of time where he had alone time. Even when he had alone time, it was to seek the father's Mm -hmm. face. It was to connect with the father. And so um, we're not going to say, obviously, that all your time needs to be spent on people doing, mm-hmm. but like if you're going to have to pendulum swing one way or the other, it really should be that you pendulum swing on spending your life on people right. and not on yourselves. And the only way you can carry out the Great Commission, which is to disciple people, to, to, to preach the gospel and to spread it to the ends of the earth, is you're, you're doing it with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not if you're just talking to yourself right. about the gospel. That so Philippians 2 is not saying you don't matter. Right. It's saying other people matter. You treat other people as though they're more valuable than you. And that doesn't mean that you don't have a voice, you don't have value. It's just that other you you act as though other people have more value than yourself. Right. And I think that the makeup of, you know, your people's giftings and people's, the way that they're made up, we tend to find that either people are overly um, pouring out their lives or overly, I, I don't actually think you can overly pour out your life, but they they don't have enough kind of um, places where they, there are boundaries so that they become weak in their own soul because they're never taking time to get away with the Father. They're making, never taking time to say, Jesus, is this what you have for me? But most people are going to fall on the, the other right. side. Yeah, there was a great book that came out a long, long time ago, decades ago, called Boundaries. And it's part of the soup that we're talking into that's out there. And I think that book was really good and still is really good for people that are kind of tend to be doormats either because for a, a lot of reasons and, and they discovered like the, the word no is a powerful word and a good word and a godly word. Yeah. And so that gave them a lot of freedom to suddenly realize like they are like their own person. But then uh, I've also encountered both of us have a lot of people that aren't that. And we're just kind of looking for like all of us really are looking for a, an excuse to do less. And and that and it becomes like a, a trope for selfishness and stuff. And so I think it's important for us to define what what we mean by boundaries first. Um, I found this great article on Bible.org. I will link it in the show notes. I you know, it's 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 basic on the one hand, but it's super clarifying. And I just want to like a couple of things from that article that I thought were really helpful, which is one is that boundaries are about self-control, not controlling other people. So you're not you, you can't in, in which is the essence of the of the issue, which is you are your own person, you have your own relationship with God, your own will, your own needs, your own calling, your own gifts um and your own responsibilities for yourself and so boundaries is ultimately about saying, I need to have control over what I do because that's godly that's a fruit of the spirit self control, but it doesn't mean you can try to control other people by saying you have to do this or you have to do that. You can never say you must do because you can't make anybody else do anything. That's number one. The other is 
the kind of tension between Galatians 6, 5 and Galatians 6, 22. Galatians 6, 22 is bear one another's burdens. We probably, we've all heard that scripture. I think you have those. I think you have that mixed up. I was just looking it up real quick. Are you sure? Um, no. But Galatians 6. Um, 6.22 is bear one another's burdens. 6.5 is. There's not a Galatians 6.22. There's not? No. Oh. <laughs> well, I'll get it a, right. I'll put it in the show notes of the Christian. There's a 6.18. <laughs> Galatians 6, um, five though is uh, that one talks about bearing another's, another's burdens. Oh, well, one of them is bear one another's burdens. The other one is um, uh, everyone must carry his own load. And it's those two ideas. They're both in Galatians 6 somewhere. No? I don't know. <laughs> don't look at me. Don't look at me like, like that's not true when you don't know. That's not fair. Anyway, you can, you can look them up. I'll put it in the show notes in the correct place. I'm pre- that's what my notes say. Anyway, so the idea is bear one another's burdens and everyone must carry his own load are both kind of in tension together. And I think... If you look at what those verses mean, for example, bear one another's burdens. Burdens is an excess burden. So the idea is not like, I have a burden to carry in life. You have a burden to carry in life. We're all responsible for each other. The idea is like, I'm trying to carry something that's too heavy for me. It's excess burden, like me trying to carry a piano. I need help. And so I think it's very helpful to say, I'm not responsible for you, but I am responsible to you. I'm not responsible for your burdens and for your life. And I'm definitely not responsible for your mistakes and for the consequences of your mistakes. What I am responsible to do is to love you well and be in relationship with you and to care for you and to treat you as someone who's more valuable than me. So that gives me freedom to say, number one, if you're not willing to carry your burden, I'm not going to carry it for you, right? But I will help you. And I think that's a good kind of defining line between those two things, not feeling a false responsibility, like the person who feels responsible for everyone and has feels tremendous like psychological pain when they feel like they've let somebody down. That's kind of codependency, that none of that's healthy. And that is not what God's called us to do. But that the, the, the pendulum swing is also very serious. If you pendulum swing to the point where you're saying, I'm not going to serve anyone. And if it's, if it's inconvenient to me, then I'm going to run the boundaries flag up the flagpole and say, that's my overarching reason for never doing anything that inconveniences me. So that's a, it's like we, we, we want to play in between those, but avoid those extremes on both ends. Yeah. And, um, and when they're talking about carrying each other's burdens too, at least in Galatians, it's specifically talking about, um, specifically talking about if somebody is in sin, that you come beside them and in gentleness carry their burdens. And so it carries over more than just like a physical burden, although there's scriptures like we um, had quoted before in Ecclesiastes and that kind of thing that say two is better than one. So there's a lot of places in there where you're talking about, in the scripture where you're talking about that. Um, But then we also see that played out in Jesus's life. And, you know, even Mm -hmm. in the disciples' life where they said they left like their very livelihood, they left their... Um, the things that they were supposed to be doing, like by the world standards to follow Jesus. And so, um, and 
I'm sure that they had some of that that still played in their lives, but I think that the part of what we miss in our culture today is that there isn't as much of a um of a willingness to kind of say to do radical things yeah. and to say because Jesus out of obedience um this that I'm going to do this out of obedience. So the mm-hmm. the whole thing about community is not just to make some fun friends and hang out, although that's a wonderful byproduct of it. Right. But it's so that if out of community, we're able to bear one another's burdens out mm-hmm. of community, we're able to be there for each other. We're able to help each other grow in godliness. We're able to bring people into the kingdom of God and fulfill the great commission. Right. We're able to disciple. So if keeping that in mind in all of this, I think is really important. And, and it should be something that we keep saying throughout these episodes, because it's the it's the why behind right. the whole thing, right? Um, and if you're not if you're doing community outside of a Christian worldview, community is still something that people really crave and value. Mm-hmm. But you don't have as much of the why behind it besides just making a group of friends, right. and so um, and and making a place that you feel like you belong. So I think just keeping that in mind is really important. And if you have that in mind, then it's easier, I think, to say. When I ask the questions about boundaries, am I, am I asking them with a correct motive in mind? Right. And if Absolutely. if you're doing that, then that it's defining. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. By the way, it's Galatians six two, not six twenty two. That's okay. what we were missing. <laughs> I, I was like, I have the, no idea where he. Went. <laughs> I must have typed the two twice in my notes. But uh, yeah, so I I think uh, interestingly enough, in Philippians two seventeen, Paul talks about pouring himself out as a sacrificial offering, as a drink offering. And this is his idea. This is the way he sees this life. I think it's such a powerful picture because you have like Jesus saying, Father, take this cup from me. And it, and then you have Paul saying, I'm going to pour myself out like a drink offering. Yeah. And it's a picture of completely emptying yourself onto the ground in service to other people. And I think this, that should be like the, that's what I want people to say about me when I'm dead. Like, I want that to be on my tombstone is he poured himself out as a drink offering. I don't want to leave anything held in reserve for myself. And that's how I really want to feel at the end of every day is that I poured myself out for the right things. That's also one of the questions we want to get to. Like practically, I think most people, their problem is not that they're not, I think most people are busy and maybe too busy, but I don't think that's the issue. The issue is that you're busy doing the wrong things and you haven't sort of said, here's my priorities for my life or here are our priorities for our family, whatever the case may be, and say, okay, how are we going to structure our life and make real decisions, get in the driver's seat of your life and make decisions about what your priorities are and not putting yourself at the top of that priority list. Yeah. See, that, that's where the boundary things goes sideways is when you put yourself at the top. Instead, you're setting your boundaries in a way that is serving the body of Christ, serving the kingdom of God, serving other people, instead of just saying, I need more me time. Yeah. And I think 2020 actually did that for a lot of people mm-hmm. with COVID and shutting everything down in that um, people really have taken a step back and said, Wow, like I was putting too much time into X, Y, Z, whatever it was, whether it be the jo- their job 
or extracurricular activities or that kind of thing. But I also think that the other has also happened. At least we have seen um, that some people are like ready to jump back into life and they're like, just like put us to work, you know, but most people are um, more like, yeah, I've kind of gotten used to my time. And so I don't really want to give it up. And so this just, we're kind of inter, you know, doing a gentle challenge to you to say, get outside of that box and, you know, you can wade into it, but, but push yourself into it a little bit more than you might feel comfortable with um, because it's important and it's, and it's actually how you fulfill the great commission. Yeah. There's no reward in heaven for the person that had the most me time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just not, and, and I am as a pastor, I'm actually kind of worried that people are going to waste their life, at least for a season, um, fighting with themselves internally over whether or not who they're going to live for. Yeah based on how they spend their time after this past year where, and that to me is concerning. A wasted life is concerning to me. And the way you waste your life is you spend it on yourself. Yeah, it's very true. I do want to start before we talk through some practical things. I do want to say that we both grew up in homes where our dads were pastors and we grew up in, and I think both would probably admit that we grew up in a time where, there was a lot of really good things happening in the church. We both grew up in non-denominational churches, but kind of for whatever reason, the culture at the time in church was like meetings, 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 mm-hmm. lots and lots and lots and lots of meetings. So many and, meetings. Yeah. And so like... <laughs> meetings, the practical alternative <laughs> to work. Yeah. And I mean, some of the, I mean, there's still lots of churches that are like that, like lots of programs and all that kind of thing, which that's fine if that's what you're into, but... For us, they're like even you, said, you don't. Huh? That's funny the way you said that. That's, I don't think you meant that. But what did I say? If that's fine, if that's what you're into. <laughs> I mean, I mean, if you like lots of programs, it's just you're they not don't, good at faking opinions that you don't actually hold. Yeah, I just think a lot of those programs don't actually produce any anything that's like eternal, like yeah, relationship. It yeah. doesn't, yeah, it doesn't produce discipleship or relationships or, so a lot of it is just a waste of time so that you have a program that you can say, well, we have this for, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not going to go too we far did, into we it. We did something. Right. Yeah. I'm not going to go too far into it because I don't <laughs> want to um, offend anybody, but I would just say that like, even in our college ministry where it, but there was an, there was an undue amount of pressure from mm-hmm. leadership to say, if you're not at a six o'clock prayer meeting, a seven o'clock discipleship meeting, you're discipling four other people, you're, you know, then you're also being discipled by three other people. You're doing a meeting every single night of the week. Oh, by the way, you also are in school. Mm-hmm. That's an unhealthy, that was not healthy. Right. Right. <laughs> but it, you know, we were college students, so it actually, to some degree, didn't matter because you have so much energy. Right. But like, if that had been the expectation of our life, it wouldn't have been a healthy thing to carry out. So I, I do want to say that there are, I think, especially when you are, when we're talking about pouring out your life, it's not for programs. It's, uh, it's on people. And so sometimes the programs are situated so that you can get into the lives of people. And sometimes it's a jumping off point into relationship mm-hmm. and, and community. Yeah, and I think a lot of people in our generation, our age and younger, 
experienced the same thing, even if they weren't pastor's kids, experienced the same thing and reacted in a pendulum swinging way yeah. where they threw the baby out with the bathwater, mixing my metaphors, but um, where they just, they, they said, I don't want to do that. I don't want to spend my life running from meeting to meeting. And so instead they either do nothing because they don't know what else to do instead, or they fill it with other busyness, like running from soccer game to baseball game to dance practice to yeah. bassoon practice. And they're they're still running around being busy and being busy doing kind of honestly eternally meaningless things and then wondering why they they feel like they're wasting their life. And I want to advocate for, yeah, don't don't spend your life running from meeting to meeting, but instead like get on top of it and make the kingdom your priority and pour out your life doing that. Be busy, be breakneck speed busy doing that instead of stuff that doesn't matter. So I think one of the practical ways that you do that, um, if you're single or if you're married, to be able to sit down, spend some time praying, and sit down and kind of uh, map out what it is that you feel called to, whether it be a, sp- a specific kind of person. So, like maybe um, you're a single woman and you're like, I want to have, I want to have like just teen girls in my house, and I just want to pour into them more. I want to have. Um, you know, this set of people into our house and just pour into it. And so it might be that or to say, okay, I'm going to look at my life and I know that I'm going to need, like as a couple, we know that we're going to need X number of hours. And each, like we can't give you a, a formula for this because all couples and all families are different. But if you are living your life saying, okay, I have we all have the same number of hours in the day. And let's just say that both people in a couple, in a couple <laughs> um, work full-time jobs. So then 40 hours of our week are taken with jobs. Well, the rest of that time is left and we have to sleep and we have to eat. And so you work at it maybe even a little bit backwards. For us, you know, like we've had times throughout where we say we really need to have time as a family X number of days a week. And it changes based on kind of how our kids are doing and how, what age they are, um, where we need to have intentional time with just our family. But to be honest, even with our family time, a lot of times our family time can include other people. We usually will try to at least set aside one day a week where it doesn't include anybody else. It's just our family because that, you know, our job as parents is to disciple our kids. That's our number one thing. Our job as our parents, as parents, is to have relationship with our kids. Our job as parents is to have relationship with each other, and as husband and wife, is to have relationship with each other. And if we can't do any, if we're not doing that, then we're off balance. And right. so, just kind of going into this thought process with an idea of we do want to have balance. But the balance shouldn't be to the me side. It should actually be a balance um, of between our family, other people, rest. You do want to work rest into that, which sounds funny. But there is that stuff that you do need to take into consideration. And every family is going to be different with that. Yeah. And I think even the word balance is can be deceptive because you start thinking of, if you think of it like a, a pie, like a pie chart and 
you know, there's a everything in your life is a different slice, and God's a slice, and church is a slice, and family's a slice, and work is a slice, and and you're, and you're trying to figure out how much to give to each one, and you say, well, God's first, and uh, families next, and then you have this like list of priorities. The problem is nobody actually lives that way. Life doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. The way life works is messier than that, and it's more like being led by the Spirit and making the kingdom of God your priority. And so then, family is a part of the kingdom. Church is part of the kingdom. Work is part of the everything is kingdom. And then, it, okay, well, maybe thinking about rhythms and patterns in your life is mm-hmm. is better which is what you're describing. It's like, okay, we want to be, we, we want to love our family well, and we want to love the church well, and we want to invest in relationships and community and discipleship and all these things. We want to do all those things well. How can we multitask those things? Yeah. So you bring your kids into your service at the church. You bring your kids into community with you. So now you're doing multiple things at one time. You're teaching your kids about sacrificing. You're teaching your kids about serving. You're teaching your kids about how people matter and other families matter and relationships matter and discipleship matters and all these things. And you're pulling them all together. And then things like like what we've done, for example, is say, well, we don't want to be gone from our kids more than three nights a week. Which if you're like a ministry family um, or a pastor's family, that actually can be really hard to pull off sometimes. Mm-hmm. And there's seasons where we we don't do that and we're gone more because it's just a particularly hard, there's a crisis or something's going on. And there's other times when we're home all week, yeah. um, but we don't like being separate from the kids. I don't think that's ever happened. When we're home I don't week. think... <laughs> I don't think that's happened either. Not since we've been here. But at the same time, like we don't count things like if we go, if we have somebody over for dinner and we're all together, this is, that doesn't count as one of those nights because we're not separate from the family. And even if the kids are complaining about it, most of the time we'll say, suck it up. This is called being a Christian. Maybe not that mean, but we'll, we're, we don't just say, but there have been also been times when we've, the kids have complained about not wanting to do something, and we listened to them. We said, okay, but that takes a judgment call yeah. at the time. And you can't be strict about it, like, in terms of this is the schedule, this is what we're going to do. It's more like, what's the pattern of our life say? Yeah, and what and what is in the heart of our, of our kids, you right. know? I do think, though, that that I would say that our one consistent rule in all the years that we've been married and been doing this is that we have at least one day a week where there are not other mm-hmm. people involved right. in our time. We try to have more than that, but at least one day a week where it's just our family and at we're home. Yeah, at home. Yeah. Um, and so that is something that is important to us. Like having, even if it's that we're just watching a TV show or we're like playing a game or just having dinner, the routine things, it doesn't have to be like some special thing, but it's something where we're still in relationship with each other as a family. That is really important because I think that's what we see, at least in ministry families, is that oftentimes it's go, 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 go. And they're pouring their lives out for the kingdom, but they're abandoning their children. And so- Which is not kingdom. That's not kingdom, right. And so that's where you have to- um. You know, we like to have, we as people like to have rules and, okay, well, here's the pattern and here, and we can't answer that for you. You're going to have to pray about it and ask God, but 
ask with that that open heart. Yeah, and I think so, this is too like where some of that personality stuff we talked about in the last episode comes into play, like knowing yourself well enough to know what your tendencies are. If your tendency is to be on the go, to work too hard, overwork yourself, then you have to discipline yourself to, to, to take breaks. If you're the opposite like me, you have to discipline yourself to do more most of the time. Yeah. Um, and so I think some of this is like knowing that those dynamics as your family and again, looking at not this tight scheduling thing of like, if I just did to follow the schedule, it'll be perfect. It's more like, what are the patterns? What are the rhythms of your life? What does that tell you about your priorities? Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I would say is that this whole shift, it'll morph as, as it, we're talking about it specifically from a kid standpoint, but really when you get married and you have kids, um, your kids, the, the phases that they're in, they really do become a predictor for a, for your life at that time. And so when you are, when you have really little babies, they're actually pretty mobile and you can take them, but then they get to a place where they need their schedule. And so then you have to think through it more. So then you might be having people in your home more than you are during nap time or something too. Yeah. Or then you're going out. And for me, a huge way, and it's actually the easiest way to make community is when you have kids, because you can go to the park and you can go to the pool and and at, in those places, you're able to have the beginning of meaningful conversations that lead to deep friendships. And so kids is like a fantastic way to be in community because you're able to, you have things that you're doing for your children anyways, and they're with you and they have those memories, but you're doing it alongside somebody else. And so you're building community. And then as they get older, all of our kids now are teenagers, uh, one adult kid and two teenagers. So as they get older, they don't need our time as much. They do need our attention in their lives though more. And so we have to be more intentional with good one-on-one time. They don't need the quantity of time, but they need more quality time with us. And so um, kind of being aware of that and, and what they need as a result, then that means we can be away from the home more because they can take care of themselves. Um, but we still involve them in the in our community life because it's shaping who they are as well. And so we're living that out intentionally in a way that is teaching them. And But being aware of the phase of life you're in. So when we had little kids, we were home a lot more in the evenings, but people were in our home a lot. And a yeah. lot. Yeah. And then we still have people in our home a lot, but we are able to go to other people. So people that have young children now and they're having to put their kids to bed, it's very easy for us to say, well, let us just come to you because our kids can put themselves to bed. And it's not so being aware of like when there's season changes and shift changes, whether it be because of a job or because of your kids. Um, kind of having those check-ins with each other. Or if, if one of you is feeling particularly burned out, maybe it's not because of community. Maybe you're having a hard time at work or you're having a hard time emotionally and you need to put pa- push pause on some things, then being willing to kind of connect over that um, and make like make a realization that you right. can can do that. But Yeah, you can see why Paul said being single was good. Because <laughs> you, know, you don't have to, all everything Heather just said basically doesn't apply. If you're single, no kids, you're you should be thinking of yourself. I'm a beast of burden for the body of Christ. I am 
going to pour myself out. Cause I, cause what you're describing, I'm thinking like, that means you're, you're pouring yourself out for your kids, for your, at different stages in different ways. And so the, your cup is sort of divided between these different things in a lot of ways. Yeah. And depending on the season of life you're in. And so shout out to the single, no kids people. Cause yeah. But I do think though, that the advantage of if you're married with kids is that community is actually a little bit easier because there's, there's like avenues in which you can connect. So I would say a couple other practical things would be um, like, let's just take the example of your kids being in soccer. And so if you are, you have a soccer game, you're going to have a soccer game every Saturday morning at, you know, 10 o'clock. And it feels like, well, I also have to, you know, get my grocery shopping done today and I have to do this and I have to do that. And so you're, you're looking at your day and you're saying, this is going to be a very full day with things that I need to do to just to make life happen. Um, invite a friend to the soccer game, even if they don't have a kid in there. And they, and I mean, your kid, they're just running up and down a field and you, you can watch them and they're going to feel like you're there and engaged, but you can also be having a conversation with somebody while you're there. Um, or if you, I mean, I've had a friend before say, I need to go grocery shopping. You want to just come with me? Because it's like the only time in our week that we could find to actually hang out and spend time. Oh, sure. Well, I mean, I guess I need some things at the store too. And we're talking and it's not like we're going to get in some deep crying conversation then, but it's still spending time with each other. Or I'm folding my laundry. Do you want to come over? So you have to be willing to invite people over into your mess. Right. Um, but there's these parts of your life that, um, that you can share and that uh, somebody can be sitting there with you while you're doing that thing that you have to do in your life. And you're able to start kind of building into relationship in those ways. Um, yeah, I guess back to the not putting everything in its own neat separated piece of the pie, yep. letting, letting things overlap and overrun each other to where you kind of can't tell the difference between one thing and the next. Like, if you can, if like where you're not, okay, I'm doing relationships now. Now I'm doing the laundry. Now I'm raising my kids. Like that's, that, that will make you crazy. Yeah. And you can't there. If you do it that way, then you're, then you won't, you really won't ever have time to connect with God. You won't have time to connect with your husband. You won't have time to, because you're going to be filling it with too much. But if it's, if you're looking at your life as a whole, like you said, as like, this all that I'm doing, all everything in my life, from the time I wake up to the time I go to bed, I'm doing for the kingdom of God, and that means working well. That means taking care of your kids well. That means taking care of your home well. But you don't, if you're thinking of it that way and not in those pieces of the puzzle, then you're able to, or the pie, then you're able to bring other people into it. So, um, but part of that mean it really does mean that you have to be willing to let people into your mess. So. Yep. Um, so I want to say something about rest before we run out of time. Um, so I think this is the big one. And I, I, I think, well, first of all, I, I think the whole idea of me time, we need to stop saying that it's, that is not a thing. <laughs> it, it's a, that's a, I, I, I don't want to make people mad, but it's not a biblical perspective. There's just, there just, there's no such thing as me time because even rest Rest is vital, but rest, even rest is not about you. Okay. So saying me time, I think puts it in, puts you in the wrong frame of mind. Like it's, 
it's still Jesus time. <laughs> As if you look at even Jesus, how Jesus Jesus would pull away and rest, he would. But look at what he did with his rest time. He would pull away from the crowds and even from the disciples and and do some very specific things. Like he'd pray, he connects. So he's connecting with God the Father. He's re, he's rejuvenating his body. He's basically refueling for a purpose. He's refueling for the mission he's on, which is to do what the Father says to do, to do what he's called to do. And so even when he's resting, he's not just sort of idly sitting there like doing nothing and like trying to satisfy his every whim and say, everybody leave me alone. I'm going to have some me time. He's saying, I'm connecting with my father. I'm resting. I'm rejuvenating. I'm refueling for what I'm called to do. And so I think rest is super important as long as you understand what it is, that it, it's about recharging yourself and getting back in the game. Right. And so I think we have to have the rhythm of rest thing, I think is big, like having a, a, a time of rest each week, you know, a time of rest once a year where you just get away and you connect with your family, you connect with God, you recharge, you rebuild. But if you make it about you, I actually find that when I'm just making my rest about me and kind of, I get to have a day of selfishness. <laughs> and call it rest, then it's actually not that restful. It builds anxiety. I feel like a slug. I feel like a failure. I feel like all the worst things, all the neurotic things in my personality get worse. Whereas if I spend the day or my hour or whatever it is, connecting with God, connecting with my family, being productive in that sense, in a restful sense, then it does recharge me and send me back into my mission in life with from a position of strength. And I think we don't have a good philosophy of rest. We either don't do it and we feel guilty for ever stopping working, or you just see it as an excuse to be selfish for a day or a week or a month or whatever it is. And so I, I don't want this episode to come across like we're saying, don't rest. I'm saying like ever, nothing is about you. <laughs> It's all for him. It's all for the kingdom. It's all for Jesus, even your rest. And if you look at your life that way, as a goblet of wine being poured out for Jesus, even in your rest, I think that transforms your life and everything you do into something that's productive for the kingdom of God and is never wasted. Yeah, and it's supposed to be fun, too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that that's one of the things is that this like when we're talking about this it shouldn't be a chore it should be something that we are looking forward to and it and that um is is just like so enriching um uh, because it's, it's meaningful it's meaningful and it's long lasting it's eternal and so doing just having that understanding uh, should make that be a fun thing and not something that's um wearing you too thin so good stuff we believe in you you can do it Big time. Yep. So thanks for coming along today for episode nine. Um, we're glad you're joining us. You can find more episodes over at artofcommunity.net or on most podcast uh, platforms like Stitcher and iTunes and Google whatever and what Spotify, all those things. You can use those too. If you want show notes, links, that sort of thing, that's also at the website artofcommunity.net. And if you like this content, share it, tell your friends about it. We will see you next time. Thanks for coming.